Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Eric Dean of Mile High Sports here, joined by Peter Baugh, The Athletic. Uh, JJ Jerez has taken the episode off. He's somewhere in Florida, and as Dirk Bentley says, he's probably somewhere on a beach sipping something strong, so we're going to give him the night off. He wasn't at the game on Wednesday, so uh, it's Peter and I today, and we want to discuss all of the craziness of Wednesday's game, that AHL avalanche roster, and why it's probably not time to panic yet. But for starters, Peter, how's it going? Things are good. Things are good. I'm going to be the one out of town for the for the next game. I have a wedding to go to, so I'll miss tomorrow night's game. Oh, against really? The Rangers. Yeah, oh, okay. I know. I'm kind of sad. Um, I'm look. I was looking forward to it. I'll be at morning skate, and then I uh, then I will not be at the game itself. But friends' weddings are important. So yeah, I'm excited absolutely. For that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we'll. Um, I'll be back in action on Monday. It's a very Peter thing to say, I'll still show up for a morning skate, but I love that. <laughs> but hey, before, before we get into the show, I just want to start by unwrapping this Amazon package that came in about Ooh. 10 minutes before we started recording. And obviously this video is not something that people can see when they're listening to the audio, but I believe the book is called Force of Nature, Joe Sackick, a star-studded team, and how the Colorado Avalanche built a Stanley Cup winner by Peter Ball of The Athletic. So oh. I'm excited to dig into this one. I'm the kind of reader that when I read a book, it's front to back in one sitting. So this will be really good Christmas day reading when the entire city of Denver is celebrating Christmas and I'm chilling at home with no <laughs> hockey to watch. I am going to roll through this book in one sitting and I'm so excited for it. So excited for that one, Peter. I'm sure you've been hearing a lot about this book as as the release has come out these last few days. Yeah, thank you. It's been it's been exciting and rewarding. And um, yeah, I've been very grateful to everyone who's who's bought it. If you want to buy it, it's on Amazon. If you search, I think probably Force of Nature, Peter Baugh or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, I, I really appreciate all the, the support that people have given me. And it's uh, it's very nice. So thank you. Yeah, I tweeted about it yesterday, and some guy actually responded asking when Peter's doing his book signings tour. Oh, so, wow. Uh, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but fortunately for me, this will be at Morning Skate. So I'm getting it signed myself, and then the rest <laughs> of you guys can figure it out when Peter figures out what he's doing. So Yeah, if you're ever at an Avs game, you can Twitter DM me, and I can come down. And uh, I don't, I can't imagine there's that many people like dying for a Peter Ball autograph, but I love are, the idea of people carrying this book into ball arena to, sell <laughs> it, to, to watch a hockey game and, and get it signed that if people do that, there's real commitment here for that Stanley cup winning team and, and for reading <laughs> these stories. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, now let's move on. All right. So let's start, Peter. We we're both there at ball arena on Wednesday. We entered the game knowing there was probably going to be exactly how it went. The avalanche had an AHL filled roster, um, just heavily outmatched there. It wasn't just the fact that the avalanche had all these injuries and, you know, now Lekkinen, Manson and McKinnon kind of in the blink of an eye, all three of them were out in three days. It wasn't just that fact. It wasn't the fact that they had all these rookies playing and, you know, now a new guy in Cal Burke making his debut and you're missing Bowen Byram and Josh Manson as your second pair. But it was the fact that it was happening against the 23 and one now 21, three and one Boston Bruins on home ice, where you just knew going in that there were going to be a lot of Bruins fans there. The Bruins were going to kind of go for the jugular and just try to kill you all game. And it ended up pretty much how we thought it would. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I, I kind of agreed with Jared Bednar's assessment after the game. I thought their the effort level was fine. 
Um, I thought they they worked hard and and they I mean, hey, look, they were they were zero zero through one, which I was and then got a power play early in the second. And I was like, oh, maybe they've got got something going here that turned out not to be the case. Yeah. Um, they do have a bit of a they don't have a lot of guys who who seem ready to put the puck in the in the net right now. Um, but but it's I, I think that's just kind of the reality of the situation with this lineup and. They've got to stay afloat for a little bit. That's going to get easier as Nachushkin comes back, as Lekkonen comes back, as Rodriguez comes back, as Helm comes back. And all of those people could be back in the next week or two. Yeah. So I think this could start looking like in still shorthanded lineup, but much more like an NHL lineup that can go out and win games and kind of rack up points and, and put you in a position to, to make the playoffs, which I, is where I expect the abs will be at the end of this all. Yeah, so these kind of this these injuries started to rack up for the Avalanche. I believe, you know, obviously Landeskog and Helm aside, it started with Nichushkin. And if you were looking at a slope, and the slope is going up as the injuries start to kind of come up and up and up, it that top point of the slope is the Bruins game. It's gonna yeah. go down from here. And by going down, I mean it's gonna get better. Even if the Rangers game on Friday, which you know, some of you guys might be listening to this pregame after morning skate where we'll have an idea of who's playing, but right now it is Thursday night when we're recording, so we still don't have a clear idea of Nichushkin and Helm if they're gonna be playing. Cause Jared obviously said today you were at practice, I wasn't that there's a possibility one or both could be back, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you might already know by then, but even if in you know, in in this scenario, neither of them can come back. The Bruins game is still the top of that slope because even if the Avalanche have to ice a similar roster, we'll see what happens with Martin Cowett and his waiver eligibility and if they call somebody else up. Um, even if that's the case, the Rangers are not the 21-3-1 Bruins. So this is the worst it gets. and it's But they are hard. playing well. I will they say. are playing well, yeah. yeah. And they might beat you better than the Bruins, but going into that game isn't going to feel the same as the shock of going into Wednesday's game. And as Jared said, you know, if we have to ice this roster for another one game, two game, five games, he expects we get better each game because we're going to work on things. And there is no magic pixie dust to make Cal Burke, Sample Rent, and all these guys, you know, stud NHLers. But the reality is that Bruins game will be the worst it gets in the stretch. And I say that knock on wood, hoping nobody goes down against the Rangers on Friday, because on Monday I did a AMA with uh, Kim Becker at mile high sports. And I mentioned that morning before that game, who did they play Monday Philly before the Philadelphia game about four hours prior, I was asked, is it time to panic? And I said, look, let the injuries build up. Players will come back as long as eight or 29 don't get hurt. You're good. Four hours later, 29 got hurt. So I kind of want to walk back some words here, but I kind of feel like that Bruins game is the worst it gets. It's only going to get better from here, and it could start as early as Friday with these guys coming back. Yeah, and and it should be fun to see. I mean, I think that there's kind of a balance of it's fun to see some young guys come up and play and see what they have, uh, whereas it's less fun when half your, your team falls under that category. And I think we're going to be getting to a point in the next few weeks where it's a little more like an NHL lineup with a few young guys kind of getting their feet wet rather than – half the lineup being young NHL players. I looked, so last night, every um, every player on the Bruins' third line, the coil, uh, coils the center, and then Hall and, and Frederick are the wings. Every one of those players has has six, six goals on the season. Um, six or more, I should say. The Avs' entire bottom six has combined for three. So <laughs> they, they just, th- those lines, they don't, 
they can't score, which when you have, which I think they will be able to score a little bit more when Comfer is your, on your third line rather than your second line. But last night's game wasn't, wasn't a case that that wasn't the case. It was, you had the Sampa Rantas, the Dryden hunts, the Cal Burks, John Luke foodie, like a lot of guys who too just, many of them at once. Yeah. That's the problem. If it was, I mean, look what I'm seeing from guys like specifically Charles Udon, who had a better game in his first showing than his second showing, but you know, not many people had a great showing against the Bruins um, is a player that when you're fully healthy, you can throw Hudon in a pinch and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you Kiefer Sherwood like, you know, numbers from years past the last couple of years where he's that depth forward that you can use in a pinch when you need a call up. Um, so yeah, it is good to see some of these guys get an opportunity, but like, you know, in the end you're, you can't have this many of them in the lineup at the same time and expect to generate much of anything, especially against one of the best NHL teams. But, um, it is really interesting. I mean, when you look at this Avalanche team, when the season started before Nichushkin was injured, Rodriguez was struggling, Newhook was struggling, and the talk was like, does this team have the depth? And now, like, you kind of be careful what you wish for and, and you know, kind of always look at always look at what you have and appreciate what you have because now what we're seeing is the Avalanche just want to get back to where they were in October when we were talking about all those things. Granted, since then, Comfer has picked up his game. Cagliano, O'Connor have picked up their games. We've seen Rodriguez become very effective in his role now. Um, granted, he gets placed into a role that isn't you know higher than it should be because of injuries. So a lot of players are starting to, to, to be put into roles now where, look, the reality is we know the Avalanche are going to probably – make a big push for a second line center. That's, that's pretty, pretty much something that everybody's talking or, about. or another good forward. I mean, I or think another if, good if, if Evan Rodriguez, if you have a second line, that's Landis Rodriguez, Nichushkin, that's not the end of the world. If, especially if you get another stud wing. Yeah. And then you can, you know, stack another stud wing with Comfort and new hook, for example, on the third line, but let's just say, you know, in, in this scenario, the avalanche are going to go out and get that second line center, you know, pick your poison of, of, uh, Jonathan Taves, Bo Horvat, some name we're not thinking about a fun name that I heard on, uh, Merrick versus Wyshynski. And this isn't, this is just a, a, a funsies thing, not anything that's related to any kind of source or rumor, but Greg Wyshynski said it would be fun to see Logan Couture as the second line center for the mm. avalanche. So, you know, pick your poison of who that second line center, like a real second line center, like somebody with oomph, that name where you just know this is a top six center man is if that was to happen and the avalanche are fully healthy, suddenly what you'll notice is, the Avalanche are going to go from a team last year where Darcy Kemper was the starting goalie replaced with Alexander Georgiev. Nazem Kadri was the second line center replaced with, let's say, Bo Horvat. Andre Burakovsky was a third line wing replaced with, let's say, Evan Rodriguez. And that seems to be the only changes that are in the lineup. And if that's what it comes down to, then that's fine because then what you'll have is your top six with Lekkinen and Nachushkin and all those guys and Miko and Gabe and Nate. You'll have Makar and Taves. You'll have Byram and Manson. You'll have Gerard and EJ. And the only three differences would be R R Rodriguez replacing Burakovsky, a new second line center replacing, uh, replacing Kadri, and a new goalie in Georgiev replacing Kemper. If all things considered, if those are the changes from the Stanley Cup winner last year to what you roll in the playoffs this year, that's pretty damn good. You just got to get healthy and you got to trade for a second line center for that to happen. Yeah. And 
to give you're gonna have to or to get you're gonna have to give it's yeah i mean a and, second line center is about as valuable a yeah. thing that gets traded and i mean i guess buffalo traded a first line center last year but yeah that's but true. it's 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 not it's easy to say get a second line center but the fact is is there's a lot of teams that want second line centers and there's only a few good second line centers that are going to be available this deadline. Yeah. And there's also the idea to keep in mind that like, Hey, if the avalanche want to make a push for, you know, the example I just used was Bo Horvat that may or may not be the name, but if the avalanche made a push for him, do they have the assets and the draft capital to do it without giving up an Alex Newhook, without giving up somebody on their current roster? If they do, then yeah, your third line would be Comfort, Newhook, and Rodriguez, for example. But if Newhook is included in that trade, well, then you got to replace Newhook on the third line and have this guy, this new guy as the second line center. Granted, obviously, the Avalanche would be probably crazy to trade Newhook for a rental. It would probably be in a situation where you know you're going to reacquire or re-sign the guy similar to Manson and Lekkonen. But all things considered, knowing where this team was in October and the depth issues you know, that we talked about, it's pretty crazy to see just how similar this team is to last year. It feels a lot better when you know Rodriguez coming back is an effective player compared to the guy that struggled out of the gate. That new hook is probably going to be a third liner now. Let's stop trying to you know, put this square peg into a round hole for now. New hook's not there yet to be that second line center in hell. Maybe when Landeskog and Nachushkin are both healthy and those are your two wingers, hey, maybe new hook will do a little bit better because those are a lot easier guys to play with. So um, there's a lot of things to look at here, but it could start with Helm and Nachushkin, and, and, and that's the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I am very much... If the if the record dips below 500, I think that's maybe when you start to to kind of um, not I wouldn't say like panic, but start to think of like all right, they need to get going. But if you look at the schedule, I mean the Rangers are going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough game. They're going to be shorthanded. The Rangers are playing well. They have a good team, a great goalie. Um, that might be tough. But then you've got St. Louis who's up and down. And then I think it's a mix of like Buffalo and maybe Philadelphia and like teams that are very winnable games. And if you can kind of tread water until McKinnon's back and not lose anyone else, which is easier said than done for this team. (laughs) Yes. Then, uh, then I think they'll be fine. And I think that this team with all the, like if they get all the forwards back, except for Landis Gog and McKinnon, who are going to be a little bit longer, that's a forward group that can do enough, especially when you have Makar and Taves on the back end. Absolutely. Um, it's Rangers Friday, then it's Blues, Flyers, Sabres, Preds, then a good team in the Islanders, and then Canadians, Preds, Coyotes. You can win a lot winnable of games. games. And, and even those, games. even those good teams that you're playing, like the Predators are a solid team. Yeah. The Islanders are a good team. The Blues, depending on you can be, you can playing. be, yeah, depending on which Blues we see on yeah. the night. But those are more competitive games than you know being. Thrown it's not Boston. Boston Bruins. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's. It's just the way that everything came about for that game to be the one that the Avalanche play with that shorthanded of a roster. It just you knew going in. Like, God bless the crowd that showed up. Well, the avalanche fans that showed up because there were a ton of Bruins fans and the section in front of the press box was annoying, more annoying than I've ever seen <laughs> at any avalanche game I've ever been to. I think I went down. I saw you go down. I went down with uh, six or seven minutes left in the third period. Cause I'm like, I can't even focus on my writing with these crazy <laughs> Bruins fans, uh, but they were having a good time. Their team was winning. And they had so good accents them. too. The, the, um, the Boston accents were on full. Display. They were out in, in full force. But I, I think the, the thing is it's, this is, I was thinking about this. It is kind of a shame that we didn't get a, 
good abs Bruins game this year. Yeah. Cause the Bruins are awesome. And the abs when fully healthy are stacked and that would have been so fun. I just remember that was one of the most fun games all of last year was the, the, Oh yeah. The Taylor hurt. Hall. One. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Hall. The abs go Ooh, after Taylor Hall. That. Then in the third tie, the game Landis Gog scores with the abs net empty and, um, sends it to OT and McCarr wins it. And that was a, just a, one of the most fun games I remember from all yeah. of last year. I think that and the Toronto um, and the Toronto game were the two games where I was like, this is, this is pretty fun. Yeah. And they might have something cooking here and it would have been fun to see that this year against the Bruins, but it just was not in the cards and I don't, they don't have, yeah, they only put, no, yeah, that's it. They've, they've done it in, in four days or whatever, Saturday and Wednesday, pretty wild. Uh, yeah. yeah, the, the, those two games last year, the Toronto game was just fascinating to see how it all shook out, but the Boston game, like it was a clear thing where like the avalanche were just going after hall, going after hall, where like it almost, they needed a second for the coach or a leader, someone to stand up and be like, all right, we went after him. Let's try to get back in this game and let's try to win this game. And they tied it up. I think And then late. Eric Johnson gets benched for. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun man. Last year was fascinating with the storylines, but you know what? We're only 24 games into this one, this season. There's going to be some fun ones coming up. Yeah, but... they, And they didn't, the ads didn't really pick it up last year until I think until around this time. I even, even I mean, then, actually, um, a year ago today was around the time where Eustace Andonen and Jonas Johansson yeah. were manning the crease because they had that game in Toronto where they had Jed Alexander. That was December 1st. Then they went to Ottawa where Andonen played. Montreal where Andonen also played, and they lost in Montreal to the very bad Canadians last year, the 32nd best team, in the, the, the worst team in the NHL out of 32 teams, I should say. Um, and then they started to kind of slowly get guys back. So it wasn't until after, I want to say, the COVID pause. Yeah. After that Nashville game. That was when they really picked it up. Yeah. Because in January, they, I think, had one overtime loss and then won every game aside from that. That's the month that led the apps to tie the record or most of the 72 win. That month was the reason why. Yeah. And the beauty of the next couple months for the abs. I mean, look, December is a pretty crazy schedule. We've seen them already play on the first, third, fifth and seventh. They play on every odd number day this month, except for the 25th, which is obviously Christmas because they have that day off. So what that says to me is you're getting in that rhythm of every other night. Hopefully guys get healthy. So you actually have the right guys playing, but no back to backs, a lot of home games, a lot of practice dates. That's yeah. what's good about their December schedule. And then January, they play three, six, nine, 13 games and only one back-to-back and it's a vancouver seattle which is the road trip that i'm eyeing to go to uh, yeah, i would love to go because they start with calgary there oh <laughs> yes they do look at that it's a three and then you can take a train from vancouver to seattle bingo see our old friends ryan clark and kate shefty uh so and yeah Philip so, grubauer and jonas and Philip grubauer and jonas donskway is there any others or no it's just i feel guys. like there's one more but i don't think there are but Burkhoff. Bur- oh yeah, Andre yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like somebody else joined the crew. Uh, and they're playing well. Yeah. Go Andre Burkowski. Where are his numbers this year? A, I think he's twenty-five and twenty-four, or around there. He's he's a point per game guy right now. I, I'm twenty-six sure. and twenty-five. What a guy. Good for him. I guy, mean, seriously. that was always and a minus five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was always. Uh, I was curious how he was one of the most intriguing people of like can this guy because he has a first line skill set and there were points with the abs i think back to the panthers game last year yeah that was in december but that was like everything that burakovsky can be he was in that game and it was awesome to watch um and i was curious if we would see more of that now that he kind of has more responsibility in seattle or if 
it'll be kind of more of the same. And it seems so far like he's, he's going to be, uh, it's bringing out the best in him, which is exciting for him and obviously really good for Seattle and they're off to a, a great start. So it's, it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. It always boggles my mind how good of a shooter he is, because this is a guy who's a career 14.5 shooting percentage. Like in his three years with the avalanche, he shot 19, 18. And then last year, 14.8 and he's shooting 13 with Seattle. I mean, he's, he can put up, if you told me that like Andre Burkowski had a year where he scored like 38 goals, I would be, I would be surprised, but I would not be shocked, you know? He could have a 30-50 season this year, 30-goal, 50 assists. Like He's well on that kind of traje- trajectory right now. But the, he hasn't hit his cold spell yet, and he probably yeah. has <laughs> Goal scores are streaky, and that's definitely going to happen. My favorite thing to like, if you really want to get, as a, as a fan, as a listener, if you really want to get an idea of what it means to be a 14.5% shooter, think about it from the goaltending standpoint. Every goalie that's faced a shot from Andre Burakovsky combined has an 85 save percentage. Oh, that's five, five, I haven't thought of that's the way to look at it. So, yeah. yeah. So if somebody's shooting seven, eight, nine percent, think of it as goalies have a nine, one save percentage against them. When you have Austin Matthews shooting 16 percent, what does that tell you? Goalies are an eight, four save percentage when Austin Matthews has the shot. So that's the way to look at it with Berkey goalies in his career have an eight, five, five save percentage. And obviously that is a little bit skewed if he scored some empty net goals, but the number is pretty close to that number. So yeah. Um, but yeah, to go back on topic for the avalanche in January, they got 13 games. They have a lot of rest days in between, uh, aside from that road trip, the Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, they have a Vancouver Edmonton, and then they have a single game against Chicago and then the rest are home games. So a lot of more practice dates again, only one back to back. They've already played like four or five and they only have one in all of December and January. Basically, this is the time for them to pick it up again. Boston is the top of that slope. Things are going to start to get better as guys return. Hopefully nobody else gets injured. You start to find that rhythm and Landeskog, If you remember Landeskog was mid October when they said three months will blink twice. Mid January is three months after mid October. Like he's I, my guess is it'll, is he'll be a little farther out. Farther out. You think that would be my guess. Um, but it's maybe not. I mean, he was on the ice today skating really slow, but he was skating. So, well, if they've got 13 more games, I want to say in this month and then 13 next month, do they have 13 more this month? They got they have four, a lot of games five, six, month. seven, 13 eight, nine, like 11, 11, sorry, 11 and then 13 in January. That's 24 games. The Avalanche have played 24. That's 48 games, which is a lot of games to miss if he doesn't return until, let's say, because after that game on January 28th, they don't have another game until February 7th, all-star break, bye week, whatever. So they got a good you know, week and a half off there. So if he doesn't return until that game against Pittsburgh, well, that gives him, what, 30, 34 games to play. 34 games is a plenty of time for Gabe Landeskog to find his footing, put up a solid 40-ish kind of point performance. Hell, maybe even more if everybody's healthy and they're all firing, and then be ready for the playoffs. So... It is okay. It is fine. You got to remember when the Tampa Bay Lightning repeated as cup champs, Nikita Kucherov didn't play in the entire regular season the next year. That's why everybody's going crazy about LTIR. So plenty of time for the Avalanche in these next two months to kind of do what they did last year, completely different circumstances, but to do what they did last year and kind of pick it up and, and get the ball rolling. But one thing I do want to talk about, about the current roster right now is we saw last week, Jared Bednar, not even a week ago, They put Alex Galchenyuk on waivers. They sent him down. 
that was a fun little thing while it was happening. And then he came up, he didn't perform to his liking. And it's not the end of Galchenyuk, you know, he'll go down to the Eagles. Maybe he'll perform to the liking of the coaching staff and he comes back up right now, fully healthy. I don't see him as a top 12 forward. I see Curtis McDermott or even Charles Houdon as that 12 forward right now. Um, but the reason why I mentioned that is because now Martin counts on waivers and I wasn't at practice today, but I do want to get your thoughts on what Jared said about him. I did read the quotes and I'm curious what you think. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought they were pretty telling quotes. It was funny. He initially kind of didn't seem to want to get into it. And then later in the press conference, there was another question that kind of wasn't even about count, but that kind of led him back to count. And I think you can read between the lines of, I mean, they, like flashes of what they've seen from Cow. It's essentially the same Martin Cout story that has been his entire NHL career so far, which is that you see the moments where you're like, Oh, this guy had the skill set to make him a first round pick. And then there are games where you don't, he's not visible. And I I think that's what I guess frustrates uh, Bednar or he, he didn't say frustrated, but if you read between the lines, he said, he, he made a, I thought it was a really good point. He talked about Andrew Cogliano and he said, Andrew Cogliano, he has found his game, like what it feels like for him to play well. And the variance between Andrew Cogliano's good games and bad games is very low. Like it's, it's, he's steady, you know, he's going to be maybe one night will be a little bit off, but even that night, he's not going to be drastically worse than he is at his average. Martin Kaut there's still way too big a gap between the player he's shown he can be at points and the player he is at his worst. Um, If he can shrink that gap, then he has a future in the NHL as a regular. If not, what Bednar said is like, that's the difference between an NHL player and a call-up player. An NHL player has found their game and is consistently around that level. A call-up player, there's a much greater variance. So I thought that was pretty telling. Um, Bennett Durando of the Denver Post asked if that was execution or effort related. And he said kind of a bit of both. And I think you can read between the lines of like, they probably don't didn't love the way he was working at this point, just in terms of like his motor on the ice, especially when you look at some of the guys that they could have sent down, they could have sent foodie down. Um, He doesn't need waivers. Um, They could have sent Cal Burke down. He doesn't need waivers. Uh, They could have sent, Houdon down he doesn't need waivers like they could have sent made a lot of choices but they chose Martin Cout and I think that that and he uh, very well could get claimed I yeah personally don't think he will just given the guys that have gone through recently but he very well could and that's that's something they know is a possibility yeah so and and I think telling. I think that the fact that they know that that's a possibility tells you that they aren't too concerned about it just like with with Magna and Galchenyuk I think Obviously, they would have liked to keep them both, um, probably more for the Eagles' sake than for the NHL club's sake. Um, but you put a guy on waivers knowing they could get claimed and knowing that it's not going to That's saying devastate we, we don't care if he does, yeah. Yeah. We're and very so. much okay with him getting claimed. And, you know, we saw Jason Megna get claimed and earlier in the season, Lucas Sedlak as well. Um, I mean, that goes back to what Jared was saying after the Bruins game. If you remember, it was, uh, you know, we kind of talked a lot about the game and the performance and he kind of went on a little bit of a rant that like he, he did mention he liked the team's performance, but then he did go on a little bit of a rant of like, nobody's quitting on this. If, if anybody quits, we got to find new guys, you know, performance, performance, performance. The reality is 
you know, Jared's not silly. He, he knows, like I said earlier, there is no magic pixie dust to kind of put all over the team right now. Going up against the Boston Bruins with that roster, you're probably going to lose. But what he wants to see is hard work, effort, and not quitting. And when you combine that with Martin Cow, I don't think, you know, I'm not the quit word, but I don't think he yeah. saw that hard work and effort that you want to see. I, yeah, I wouldn't say he, Martin Cow, quit. There was no, nothing quit, quit, egregious. No. Quit is absolutely not the word. But, but the I hard think, work I mean, you, you think Martin Cow has said multiple times to me this year when I've asked about what his game needs to be. He's like, I want to be like Logan O'Connor, play with kind of that, that same motor. And that's something that, frankly, Cow doesn't always have and it's hard like it's hard to have a motor that goes all the time and that's what separates players from another from each other and and he maybe hasn't been at that point yet maybe he gets there maybe it's with another team maybe it's with the avalanche and maybe he doesn't get there and that's kind of for him to to figure out that it sounds like they gave him pretty clear instructions of what they want him working on and and we'll see if he can get it get it together yeah. I mean, like you said, the difference between a call up and a player is kind of bringing that game every single day. Once you define that role, it seems like Cout has defined the role he wants to have. He hasn't brought it every game. And I remember there was a stretch going to O'Connor. There was a stretch where the avalanche were really digging deep into those college free agents. They, they signed Logan O'Connor. They signed, uh, Cal what was the other guy's name? Cal Burke was one of them. Yeah, no, no. I'm thinking of, uh, Oh, uh, he was just on waivers the other day, Dominic Toninato. And then eventually Alex Kerfoot. Kerfoot was part of the cadre chain. But when you look at Toninato and O'Connor, I remember those guys getting their call-ups at similar times. I remember those guys getting their looks at similar times. The difference between Toninato and O'Connor is O'Connor found his role and has been a permanent NHLer. Toninato is somebody that just cleared waivers. So that's a similar idea to Martin Cow. If you if you can define that role and find that role and and define that role and play that role, you know, every single night, that's what you're gonna. That, that that's what's going to end up kind of leading to being a regular. So we'll see what happens with Cal. I'm curious if there will be another call up, maybe Anton bleed. If Nichushkin and Helm are not ready to rock. Um, Cause they sent Sampo down too. Yeah. Sampo had a rough game against Boston. I don't well, know. Sampo, the thing with him is it feels like the mo the motor and work ethic. I don't really question. It's just sometimes I feel like defensively, he doesn't always know what he's doing. Like he, it, it, yeah. he loses track of things and the game's still moving feels like the game's still moving pretty fast. Um, and yeah, that's that's tough against a team like the Bruins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so we'll kind of see how, how things go. I know other than the fact that, you know, many of you listening will probably know if Nachushkin and Helm are playing. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that the rest of this is a good reminder that as of right now, again, there's no guarantee that this team will ever be fully healthy this season. That's not something that I'm going to pretend is, is a guarantee. But as of right now, it's no time to panic for this team. The Bruins game was likely, potentially, possibly the worst it's going to get all year. But on that note, anything to add, Peter? Um, nothing in particular. It's funny. I, I've been looking. Some, sometimes I look at the 2018 draft because I think there's kind of a this conception that the Avs missed with their pick in 2018 uh, with Cout. And I think you can say that's the case. But I also think if you look at the people who came after him, Ty Smith, who's he's he's shown some. He was just traded, season. yeah, yeah. But he's he's shown flashes. Liam Foodie, whose brother's on the Avs, but he hasn't done a ton. Yeah. Jay O'Brien, who has never played an NHL game. Rasmus Kupari, um, Ryan Merkley, 
Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller you would like. But like yeah. it's the point is Isaac yeah. Lundstrom, Philip Johansson, Dominic Bach, um, Jacob Bernard Docker. Like these are guys who it's kind of that range of the late the mid to late first round hasn't panned out really yeah. at all. <laughs> um, other than a couple ones here and there with like Sandine and Keandre Miller and stuff. But it's it's kind of funny just looking at like you kind of think of that as like a oh, that's a rough, rough pick for the abs. But then you kind of look a little deeper and it's like, well, Isaac Lindestrom, Dominic Bach, Philip Johansson, you know, Jacob Bernard Docker. There's a lot of talk about him. Nils Lundqvist Rasmussen. Yeah. So even the guy selected before him, Grigory Denisenko from the Panthers, Joel Farabee at 14 is, has kind of carved out a career. Ty Delandria at 13 is starting to carve out that career. Yeah. He's a, yeah. But, um, and then obviously Dobson, Wallstrom and Bouchard are all NHL regulars. So, um, yeah, it's, it goes to the same thing with the Miko Ranton in draft pick. Like, you know, the avalanche struck gold or, or sorry, not Miko, the other guy selected number 10, Tyson Jost, the avalanche struck gold when they took Ranton in at 10, but at number 10, Tyson Jost, given the guys around him and given what usually happens around that number 10 spot in NHL drafts, it's not entirely crazy to say that the avalanche did okay with that pick. So, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is if I think the abs have had this decade, what like five top 10 picks yeah and they were mckinnon landeskog mccarr rantanen and jost and byram so six yeah so that is like big hits on five out of the six and i think jost maybe a slight miss but at the end of the day you got a player for him straight up who was in your lineup the day you won a stanley cup yeah that's not And, and given that the other five were not just hits but huge hits yeah, Rantanen, Makar, sorry, Rantanen, uh, McKinnon, and Landeskog make up your top three, you know, line if they play together when everybody's healthy. And Makar and Byram are like a D pair for the future if Byram resigns here. Um, you're okay with missing on one of them and that one of them still leading, like you said, to Nico Sturm. So, uh, what I like and about Jost, the Avalanche and Jost had a, I mean, look, he, he had an okay career. He wasn't, you know, yeah, with that. He, he, yeah, did he 321 be, games with the abs is not a that's not terrible. He carved out his role, like Martin Kaut talking about the O'Connor thing. You know, Kaut probably when he got drafted wanted to be a high scoring winger. Well, Jost probably wanted to be that second line center and a high scoring two way forward, Patrice Bergeron like didn't happen, carved out a role played that role until the avalanche felt that there was another player that could help them, you know, get to the promised land and they made a trade. So, um, the big thing with the avalanche, you know, I talked about this with JJ and we'll, we'll close with this is this is a team that doesn't have the best drafting track record in terms of guys outside of those top picks. So, you know, that's usually the excuse. Well, outside of those top picks, who have they had that has stepped out? You know, Connor Timmons didn't amount to much. Chris Begra was also a high second rounder, didn't amount to much. Nicholas Maloche, AJ Greer, high second rounders, didn't amount to much. Well, the way that I like to look at things, I do mention that because I did a week ago, but the way that I also like to look at things is, like you said, Landeskog, Rantanen, McKinnon, Byram, Makar, five picks in the top 10. Every single one was a golden hit. There was, And, and they traded Timmons for... Darcy Kemper. Exactly. Yeah. Timmons oh. was the piece that put them over the oil. <laughs> Darcy Kemper. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. And now he's in Toronto and he had a point today. So shout out to him. But when you look at those top five picks, they didn't end up with, and I feel bad for him for throwing him under the bus, but like they didn't end up with a Nolan Patrick. They didn't end up with any of those guys that are like drafted, you know, not even a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's a good player, but he's not Landis Gog McKinnon and Ranton it. 
So they hit like two top pair defensemen and three top line forwards, like not even a depth piece, just total grand slams on all five of them. So that's all you ask for. And, you know, the Martin Kaut picks will happen and we'll see if he's on this team in 24 hours, but you hit on those guys, you want a cup and now you're looking to do another one. So we'll end it there. Force of nature is coming with me tomorrow to morning skate. Going to get a nice autograph there. Um, excited to read this. Look at this, Peter. How many pages? Almost 300 pages. That's wild. It was a busy summer. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, with that, I will close us out the regular way that JJ always does. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Enjoy your trip uh, to that wedding over the weekend, Peter. Thank you. Hockey is for everyone. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out you.